0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. So today, something in my spirit I want to deal with Um, And you saw it in the title. Please take a minute to share this broadcast. I never want to see this happen, but I see it happen far too often. And we need to discuss it. I'm talking today about five devastating parenting mistakes that we have to avoid at all costs. Five devastating parenting mistakes that we have to avoid at all costs. Um, And and I want to start by reading to you a verse of scripture, hey Danielle, from Psalm 127. And if you have your Bible, please please turn there with me. Um, Psalm 127, and I'm gonna actually read three verses to you. And a, a lot of times when we go to Psalm 127, we're dealing with purpose, we're dealing with the Lord speaking to you, guiding you, doing what he's called you to do, because we start at the beginning, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Um, unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchmen watch, walk the walls in vain or stay awake in vain. But we're going to be dealing with the family today. And these last three verses of Psalm 127 are so crucial for every Christian parent to understand. So crucial. Um, let me start reading with verse three and we'll go through verse five. So for for those that are just jumping on, This is Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Listen listen to this. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame, when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And so I want to just break a few things down from this this short passage that we read. Number one, children are a heritage from the Lord. They're a blessing. It's a reward. So verse three literally calls your children a reward. And I'm telling you, and I know there's times that parenting can be frustrating and people, you know, people start... You know, like, oh, you know, they get irritated at their children, things their children are doing, saying a way they're acting, whatever. And, uh, you know, he's like, I need a vacation, but I want you to write this in the comments. I mean, I know that some of you are even grandparents now, but I want you to write this in the comments. My children are a reward from God. That's what the Bible says in verse three. My children are a reward from God. I look at all three of my children and recognize that every time I see them. All three of my kids are a reward from God. They're a heritage. They are a blessing to me. They're a blessing to me. Well, the Bible says, as you go further, that your children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. That's a powerful thought, right there. Your children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And we're going to, we're going to break that down in just a minute, but your children are definitely a reward from God. And they are like arrows in your hand. You are the warrior and they're in your hand. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So Let's talk about this for a minute before we get into these five devastating mistakes that I see parents making all over the country, all over the country. Um, and I'm talking about Christian parents, dealing with uh, Christian parents here. Um, because, you know, I can't judge uh, unsaved people. You know, they don't have the word of God. They're not saved. They're not regenerated. They don't follow the word of God. And so obviously they're going to make all kinds of mistakes uh, with, their, with their children especially since they're not following God's word and they're not led by the spirit of God. But we have instruction from the word of God regarding our children. And I'm going to show you these five things today, but um, get this in your spirit again. I, you know, I don't understand this whole thought process of like, uh, you know, well, especially Christian parents, like this makes zero sense to me, zero sense. It's like, well, you know, we've decided not to have kids as a couple. It's so like, why? <laughs> why? That, that's foolish. That's a foolish thing to do. It's the first command, and I know God's plan was to populate the earth, but it's the first command in the Bible. Be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth. And I understand the context that they were populating the earth with people, but notice this verse. That blessed is the man who fills his quiver with children. Fills his quiver with children. I can't understand people making the decision, like, well, we just, we just are, don't want to have any kids. Well, I don't understand that. You are literally rejecting a reward from God. You are literally rejecting a heritage from God. Um, it, it's mind-blowing to me that people have this disdain for children. That's really an anti-Christ position. You look at what's going on in China, you know, where they'll fully, they will fully uh, restrict you from having a certain number of children. I mean, I think what you can have one child now or something. I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know what the number is, but it's insane. It's insane. That's not the biblical pattern. That's not the biblical pattern. I'll tell you another thing. It's, it's uh, mind blowing to me that the Islamic community uses this and understands this concept but uses this as one of the major ways to spread islam throughout the earth they are having children at an unprecedented rate and who are they raising faithful muslims they understand the power of the family that's to me that's wild right so so look at, before we get into these, look at this. Look how the Antichrist system right now is trying to break down the family. Destroy the family. You go through and you see some of the agendas where we, you know, we, we don't want fathers in the home. Oh, really? You're trying to break the family apart. Trying to break down the family. That's Antichrist. God you realize the first thing God did is create a family in the garden that he he created? God created a family first. But notice, he wouldn't even create them until he created an environment to bless them. So get this in your spirit. God created an environment so that once he created the family, they would never need for anything. They wouldn't need for anything, not lack anything. So God creates this beautiful, world and then a specific garden as the environment for the family he's about to create creates the family and then commands them to multiply commands them to multiply hallelujah the first thing god created in his image and his likeness and the only thing god created in his image and his likeness was the family the man and the woman and commanded them, gave them the power of seed time and harvest, and commanded them to multiply. It's powerful. But he would not ever create a family without first creating an environment for the family so they would be blessed and taken care of and provided for. And God did that on purpose because he loves families. He created the family unit and he loves families. Loves families. And so uh, we see this, and it's like when you see the Antichrist agenda to break down the Western family. But then, we ha- when we look at the Islamic nations, the Islamic communities, they, they, they understand, for the purpose of strength, power, control, to have that, that unit in place and to expand the unit of their family. Unprecedented births, and built, I mean, like you see Islam spreading just through babies being born and raised up in that religion. And that's what God did. God was expanding his people through blessing them with children. And and, and children are a blessing without question. Bible says so. They're a reward. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And then I want to deal with this before we now jump in. Verse four, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. So let's, let's take that for a moment and talk about uh, this thought process of arrows, because the Bible likens them to arrows. So what do we know about that? So a warrior who's wielding a bow and an arrow. Let's talk about it. So we know what that means. An arrow is, um, it's not a melee weapon. It's not a melee weapon, it's a ranged weapon. It's a ranged weapon. So you understand how bow and arrow works, but think about this in context of your child. Your child, according to scripture, an arrow is is someone who is supposed to be, first of all, let's go through the steps. They take an arrow, what's the first thing you do when you're ready to shoot it? You knock an arrow, it's called knocking an arrow. Not K, but with an N. You knock an arrow, what does that mean? You actually attach it to the string and set it in. and, and modern-day arrows will actually lock into the arrow. They snap in. And so you knock the arrow, the, the arrow. What does that mean for your child? It means that your child is now watch this connected to a force. They are connected to a force. That's what happens when a parent is properly parenting their child their child is connected to a force. Well, what's the purpose of that force? The force is going to launch them. That's the whole point of godly parenting. That's the whole point of godly parenting. They are connected. They are knocked into that string, and that string is a force that's going to launch them, right? And so, number one, your children need to be properly connected. Now, I'm not getting into the five yet. I'm just giving you these, this analogy of the arrow, the children need to be properly connected to their parents. And I'm going to teach what that means when we get into the five and the mistakes that I'm seeing already, that when you knock that arrow, it snaps in and it is now connected to that force that will launch them. All parents, I'm charging you today. You are anointed to launch your children into success. And I want you to write that in the comments, even if you're not yet a parent, but believing to be, I am anointed to launch my children into success. I am anointed to launch my children into success. You can't do it if your children are not properly connected to their parents. And and the issue is a lot of times, you know, it's like your child is born. It doesn't have a, a desire. or or even a choice on whether or not he's gonna be connected. What ends up happening, as we'll deal with, is that the parents either inadvertently or knowingly disconnect the arrow from themselves. And we'll talk about that in a moment. In fact, let's just jump into them while we're going through this. Number one, the first devastating mistake that I see is that uh, parents have not guarded their authority. So that's number one, put it in the comments, number one, unguarded authority, unguarded authority. Please put that in the comments. That's number the first devastating parenting mistake that you can make unguarded authority in your family. Unguarded authority. Get this now, my children, though I love them, they're not my friends, although I, you know, in in a sense they are, you know, they're gonna grow up and become friends with you, but they are your children. They're not my friends, they're my children. So unguarded authority disconnects the arrow from the force because if you've seen these parents, they wanna be the cool parent, they wanna be the friend of all their kids. You know, I'm not their dad, I'm their buddy, I'm their friend, it's a whole different thing. You've got unguarded authority And then what what does it do? Well, familiarity breeds contempt. So what happens is that you get to the place where parents have tried so hard to be their friend that they've lost respect. They've lost respect. So what ends up happening? You've got children that are talking to their parents like they would talk to their friends. And I've seen it, man. You've seen it. They're sarcastic with their parents. They'll make jokes at the expense of their parents. They'll yell at their parents like they would at one of their friends. They'll, they'll use language with their parents that they should never use, ever. And I'm seeing these things because the parents have tried to become, the parents have tried to become the friends of their children, rather than the parents of their children. So there's unguarded authority. That's, that's devastating mistake number one. When you've got unguarded authority, your children become disconnected from the string. Remember this, the arrow has to be connected to the string. You knock an arrow, you connect it, that puts it in position to receive the force of the string once it's pulled back, right? So so think about this. And Maybe you've never held a bow and arrow before, but if if you have, you understand that there's a handle on the, the bow And when you take that arrow out and you can lay it, there's there's usually a little area where you can lay the arrow on the front of the handle and and you can lay it there, but that's not all you do. You can hold it there with your hand and finger, but the back part uh, has to be knocked into the string. Otherwise, you can pull the string all day long and the arrow's not going anywhere. The knocking of the arrow ensures that the full force of that bow pull is going to go directly into the arrow and launch it. And when you've got unguarded authority, then you've got an arrow that's not knocked, which means that I don't care how much force you try to put behind it, it's not going anywhere because it's not properly connected to the force of the parent. Because, and it's many times, and I'd say all the time, it's not the child's fault, it's the parent's fault for not taking authority in that parent-child relationship and expecting them to show respect. See, this is the power of, this is truly the power of the family unit. And um, when, I mean, it's not my opinion. If you look at any of the statistics and understand, there is a, a problem that is formed by a fatherless home. There's a problem that is formed by the fatherless home. Well, it's because fathers have been given by God the authority over the household. If you read the Bible, this is not a sexist thing. This is not a, a, a tyrannical patriarchy. It's not, it has nothing to do with that. This is God's system. It mirrors and mimics Christ as the head of the church. The Bible, if you read in the book of Ephesians, it it breaks it down that the husband is not just the head of the home. The Bible specifically tells us that the husband is the head of the wife. There's not two leaders in a home. You don't have, well, my husband and I, we're both the leaders of the home. No, that's not scriptural. And I know that makes people mad in this feminist society. It's not about a patriarchy. It's, It's not about sexism. It has nothing to do with that. It's God's system of authority. And if you have two rulers, you've got a monster. Anything with more than one head is a monster. And so God did not put two leaders in the home. Now, both parents will lead the children, but there is one ultimate authority in the home. Christ is the head of the church, and the husband is the head of the home. The husband's the head of the wife. The husband's the head of the children. And so, though, A a, a good and functional marriage will have a husband who loves his wife as Christ loves the church, who gave himself for her. So it is a selfless love. It is a me preferring you above myself kind of love. Well, there's no issue to say, I mean, you know, if you're a wife, there's no issue submitting to that because you know, now, now, not only does my husband love me, uh, you know selflessly he's putting himself he's putting me before himself he's preferring me above himself he's got my best interests at heart he wants to see me flourish he wants to see the kids flourish when you love your wife the way christ loved the church there's no issue of submission there and the husband is the head of the home when you remove that authority figure from the home it forces a mother to have to do things that a mother was not created to do because then the mother has to become the father and the mother. And that's not what God created a mother to be or to do. And praise God for moms that are Holy Ghost filled, that have been put in that situation, that rose up, that stood in faith, that believed God for their children, that raised them in godliness. Thank God for every mother who never uh, faltered when it was, when it came to the word of God, to the Uh, their child's Christian faith. Thank God for every faithful mother that shouldn't have had to be in that situation, but their husband left them behind. But that's not what God intended. And that's not what God wanted when he created the family unit. So why do we have these statistics that show us that children that don't have their father in the home are far more likely to end up in trouble or Uh, you know, violent crimes, being in jail, all of these other things. Why? Because you've removed the authority figure in the home. You know, I I can tell you right now, I've got a son at home right now that if I was not there to raise that boy, he's already strong and he's only six years old. He's strong like me. He's got a strong personality. He's got a strong, uh, um, and he's going to be big like I am. But I can tell you right now, if I was not there to get that boy in line, you know, there's times where Carolyn's just like, you need to handle this boy. You need, you need to handle this boy. He, he needs it. I've heard it many times. This boy needs a dad. I'll come in there and, 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 you know, sometimes it's just talking to him and explaining things to him. Hey, we don't act like that. We don't talk like that to our sisters. You value your sisters, you love on your sisters, you protect your sisters. You don't talk to them like that. You don't hit them. You don't run, you know, all those things, you know, and if there, if there's not a dad there to come in and take full authority, then there's a problem because let me tell you something, there's going to come a day uh, and and it's too late by then where that boy is going to be bigger than mom. And let me tell you, for me, that was about by the time I was 14 years old. By about 14 years old or so, I was bigger than my mother, maybe 13. And so, you know, as you're growing into becoming a man. And let me tell you, if you get to the place where you don't feel like doing what you're told, what are you going to do? If I say, no, I'm not doing it, what are you going to do? I'm bigger than you and I'm not going to listen to you. And if I've already been raised to the place where I've not had authority in my life and I've got an issue And I'm just not, I'm not obeying you. I'm bigger than you. I'll do whatever I want. I'll do whatever I want. You can't stop me. Well, that's a problem. But let me tell you, I thought I got there one time when I was like 16, 17, and I came up those basement stairs. You've heard me tell the story. And I said, I told my mom, I ain't doing that. And whatever she told me to do was something about taking the garbage out of something. I, I ain't doing that. And I heard my father's chair push back from the table and came around that corner And felt two authoritative hands grab my shirt and lift me off the ground and pee came down my leg. You better believe, my friends, that there's a difference in having a father in the home. You better believe there's a difference having an authority figure who carries authority in that home. And that's how God intended it. That's exactly how God intended it. And so, if you've got unguarded authority, then let me tell you something. That arrow will not be knocked into that That bowstring, which means the force that should be accompanying parenting, will be lost. You can pull back and release all you want. If the child's not connected to authority, you're not launching them anywhere. Anywhere. So number one, unguarded authority leaves that arrow unknocked from the string. And the force of your parenting, the force of your advice, the force of your... It doesn't mean anything if they're not connected to that authority in the parenting structure. That's number one. Um, and then I want to say this. The Bible says that they're that arrow. So what do you do once that arrow is knocked? You pull it back. You pull the string back. You pull the string back. What are you doing when you pull the string back? You are adding force to the back of that arrow now. Now I am putting all, home. Oh man, this is, this is something I wish parents could get. You're putting all your strength behind that child. I'm putting all my strength behind this child so that when I get ready to release this child, I'm releasing them with all of my authority, with all of my strength, with all of my revelation, all of my knowledge, all of my resources. And I'm getting ready. What am I doing? I'm putting all that into my child as I draw that bow back and I'm getting ready, but I don't just draw it back uh, thoughtlessly, right? What do you do as you're drawing back? You aim it. I'm finding a target. I'm not going to launch my children into destruction. I'm not going to launch my children into failure. I'm not going to launch my children into um, broken relationships. I'm not going to launch my children into uh, secular activities. I'm I'm not going to launch them away from God. There are some parents launching their children away from God. Why? They've aimed their child in the wrong direction. They've aimed their child. And let me tell you, there are Christian parents that do this and they don't even know they do it. They don't even know they do it. Sometimes they don't even realize. I'll give you an example. People might get mad at me for making this example. Get mad all you want. It needs to be said. There, we, sometimes we teach our children the wrong principles about life because of choices we make that, they, that we think they will like, but it's teaching them a wrong life principle. I'll give you a, a perfect one that we see all throughout the United States. We take our children <clears throat> and go on these, you know, travel football, travel baseball, travel basketball, and uh, travel cheer, and we go to these different tournaments. And, and you know, people skipping church, I'll, I'll go to churches and I'll. I'll, 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 I'll someone's gone. I say, where's so-and-so? I haven't seen him. Yeah, you know, he's out of town. He's, he's out with his ch- children doing travel baseball. It would be a cold day in hell before I would allow my children to miss church for Little League Baseball. Sunday church for Little League Baseball. Give me a freaking break. That's ridiculous. And what's happening is we're teaching our children That church is good as long as there's not something that we consider to be more important than church. And whether you know it or not, you're teaching your kids that travel baseball is more important than the house of God. You're teaching your kids that travel football, travel basketball, travel cheer, travel gymnastics, whatever it might be, any event, vacation's more important than church because you'll go on vacation, you don't go to church on Sunday. So what we're teaching our kids is That church is secondary to whatever we consider to be most important. You know what you're doing? You're pulling the arrow back and you're aiming them away from God and his plan. Aiming your kids away from God's system so that as they grow up, you know what they think in their mind? Well, you know, my parents went to church, but if we had other things going on, it wasn't that big of a deal to miss church. And that's how you get lukewarm Christians, lukewarm Christians. You're, You're drawing the bow back and you're aiming them in the wrong direction and we're teaching them, and we don't even know we're teaching them. We don't even know we're teaching them. So you have to not only knock the arrow, you put all the force of your resources, your wisdom, your revelation behind it, and then you aim it, and you aim it in the right direction. You aim it towards the things of God. You aim it. I mean, let me tell you something. I was on a state championship basketball team. Triple A, we won the West Virginia State Tournament. Best there is. And I told my coach in the championship year, you know, at the expense, I want you to hear this now because you can see how good the team is. We're murdering teams. At the expense of my own playing time. Like I'm thinking to myself, like when I tell the coach this, it's probably going to affect my own playing time on the team. And I straight up walked into his office and told him, if you call practices on Wednesday nights, or on Sundays, you will not see me. You'll not see me because I go to church and I have youth group on Wednesday nights where I lead the worship and the praise and I attend and listen to the preaching. And I go to church on Sundays. And if you call, if you call practices on Wednesdays or Sundays, you're not gonna see me. And you know what he told me? He told me, if you do that, then every time you come to another practice, You have to run 30 laps around the gym before practice even starts. Now they're not supposed to be able to penalize you for your religious exemptions, but he was penalizing me. You have to run 30 laps around the gym before every practice if you miss those. I said, I'll take the laps because I'm not missing God's house. I'll take the laps. (laughs) Carolyn said, I was hoping to marry a basketball pro, but I guess God had other plans. And I'm going to tell you something, I'm not in the NBA today. I didn't play D1 college basketball, but I can tell you what, I'm still in the house of God. I'm still serving the Lord. I'm still doing the work of God as an adult because I had parents that trained me up. We don't miss church. We go to church. We go to church. And so what happens? you got to aim them in the right direction. And then finally, you got to release them, release those kids. Let me give you a word for those (laughs) of you that release those kids. I've seen parents, your child is an adult. Release those kids. I, I know parents right now, their child is like 27. Their child is like 22 and they won't release those kids. Release them. I know parents right now don't want their sons to get married and leave, leave or whatever. Release those boys. That's part of the arrow pattern. You got to let them go. That's my baby. Oh, I love, that's my baby. Release that boy. Let him go. Loose him and let him go. (laughs) Because the part of it is, you don't trust, I don't understand, you don't trust the fact that you raised them in the things of God to go make their own decisions. Release them. Let that arrow fly. Let that arrow fly and go do what he's called to do. Don't be, don't be hovering over them. And when they get married, don't be hovering over their marriage. Don't be hovering over their, don't be up in their business, up in their business. <laughs> don't make me play the ludicrous song. Don't be up in their business. Because it's mine, all mine. Don't do that. You've got to release. That's the end. That's the end of your training. Release them now. You see it. Knock them, put your force behind them, aim them, release them. Release them. So number one, unguarded authority. Number two, are you ready for this? Unguarded time. Put it in in the comments, unguarded time. Parents do not guard their children's time. That's a mistake. You just let kids go do whatever they want, Parents are busy. They don't want to raise their kids. They want television to raise them. They want their iPad to raise them. They want uh, the next door friends to raise them. They want other people. Um, and so it's unguarded time. They let their kids run while, do whatever they want to do. Get your kids locked away. Locked away. Just doing whatever they want. Go to the room. You never see them. They're out their friends' houses, out doing whatever. Unguarded time. You know, one of the things about my wife, she does such a great job of guarding their time. You've spent plenty of time on an iPad, get off the iPad and go do something outside. Go play in the garage. No, <laughs> it's not like we're locking in the garage. We have toys in there. They have the stuff that they do in there. Go play in the garage, go play outside, go ride your bike, go jump in the pool, go do something else, get some sun, get some energy out. You've been on that long enough, put your iPad down, you know, whatever else, put the video games down, go do something else. That's guarding their time, figuring out what are you doing? Where you been? If Maddie goes up, Maddie's getting older, Maddie's becoming a teenager. She's, she's 12. She's getting ready to be 13 next year. we're, ha- we're coming to, ha- we're halfway through the year. She's going to be a-, a teenager in January. A- and so I love Maddie. We love Maddie. We want to see her, but you know, how, what happens as a teenager, you start pulling away from your younger brothers and sisters. Cause they're younger than you and all of that. And you have different interests and you're going to do different things, but you know what? We still want to see you. You know, Maddie's in one sense, Maddie's like me that she could just go be in a room by herself and and never come out. She's doing her own thing. And, and, but listen, we're not letting you go up, you know, and bury yourself in your room for two straight days. We never see you come out of your room. You know, we're guarding your time. I love you, Maddie. If you're listening, come out of your cave, come out of your cave. Uh, and then just the time has to be Time has to be guarded. And there's so many parents that get disinterested in raising their kids. They want to go do other things. So they're happy to let the iPad raise them, to let the TV raise them, to let their next door neighbor raise them, friends, whatever. Uh, You don't see them all day long. What's going on? What is going on? And so you have to learn to guard their time. What are you doing? Where are you at? You got to stay connected to those kids. What's going on? Let's do something together. You know, we got a lot of work going on around here at Miracle Word, a lot of things happening, a lot. But we threw, we threw that all down. And last night, we just did something as simple as taking the, taking the whole family out to just do a bowling night, just hanging together, guarding the time. Let's be together. Let's be together. We're on the road all the time. Let's be together. Let's, let's just sit by the pool. Let's go play in the pool, whatever. Let's be together. Guard the time. Guard the time. The other thing is, the power of it is you're making the most of that time because, you know, they're going to get old quickly they're going to grow up and you value that time because they're not going to be around like that forever. If Jesus tarries, they're not going to be around forever. Value the time as their children, as they're still children, value that time, spend the time, build that See, build that relationship now with them. It doesn't mean you have to be their buddy, buddy. Like I just said, you have to do, you know, I'm the cool parent. I'm the one that doesn't have any rules and whatever. whatever. You don't have to do all that, but you love them. Kids respond to authority, to loving authority. They respond to it. Let me tell you, I am, you know, my wife will tell you, I can be very strong, very um, assertive in that, you know, she'll have to tell me sometimes like, now listen, he needs, but don't go in there and, you know. Just explain to him. I said, I'll explain. I'll explain it to him. Explain it with a belt. No, I'm kidding. Um, But seriously, Uh, and and you start. But you know what happens with my son? My son will walk in the room, and he'll just run up to me and start kissing my hand or kissing my arm, or he'll he'll say, "Pick me up." He'll kiss me on my head, my face. And I'm gonna tell you something. I kiss him all the time. Tell him I love him. Tell him I'm proud of him. Tell him he's he's handsome. He's cool. He's a cool dude. I mean, I'll, I'll tell to him, I tell him, I'm happy to be his dad. I'm happy to be your dad. I'm happy God gave you to me. You know, I'll tell him all the time, but you'd think, man, if you're that, this is what the normal mind would think. If you, if you're that harsh with your kids, if you're spanking them, if you're, if you're correcting them, if you, if you, you know, whatever, raise your voice and whatever, they're not going to want to be next to you. That's the absolute opposite. Absolute opposite. You ask my wife, my son will run in. He wants to sleep in my bed. He wants to be where I'm at. He wants me to hang out, wants me to watch him, wants me... He'll run up and kiss me. He'll run up and hold me. And you'd think, if you're spanking those kids, if you're yelling at them, raising your voice, and if, you, if, if you're strongly using that authority, they're going to want to avoid you. It's the exact opposite. When you do it properly, in love, the way the Bible teaches, it draws your children to you because it shows them. Uh, the Bible says that the ones that God loves he reproves. The one that God loves, he reproves. It doesn't drive them away. In fact, the Bible says in the uh, book of Proverbs, if you'll train up a child in the way that he should go when he's older, he'll not depart from it. So when you do true training, when you do true training and you do true correction, it doesn't drive them away from that lifestyle. It actually attaches them to that lifestyle it attaches them to that lifestyle. You understand, it doesn't drive them away. When you do it properly, the biblical way, it doesn't drive them away. It attaches them to that biblical lifestyle. Amen. And so you've got a number two, don't make that mistake of unguarded time. Number three, don't make the the mistake of unguarded environment. Unguarded environment, unguarded environment. What does that mean? Don't take your kids places that they don't need to be. And not only that, with the unguarded environment, don't let them uh, watch things that they don't need to be watching. That's one of the things an unguarded environment is. Train their spirit to know what they shouldn't be watching and what they shouldn't be doing and where they shouldn't be. Because once again, we're moving closer and closer to the release stage. I have to release them at some point. And when I release them, They should have a full understanding. I don't watch that, I don't go there, I don't allow that. And I'm not gonna be able to make those uh, um, decisions for them at 18, 19 years old, but they better be able to make them and they better have the conviction to make them. And one of the mistakes parents make is unguarded environments, environments for their mind, environments for their ears, eyes. It's an unguarded environment. You know, one, one of the things that I see, which is so uh, insane to me, is that parents don't care. They'll let their kids watch anything. I mean, anything. They don't care. I see it all the time. And I'm like, dang. And and, and I'll tell you, we started training Maddie early on. To, uh, One of the things Carolyn would say to Maddie is she had her iPad. You know, I'm, Maddie, I'm not going to be able to see every single thing that you know, there's out there, but you ask yourself the question, would daddy and mommy want you watching this? And would Jesus be happy if you were watching this? And we trained her that way for so long that there came a time that she got up on something that was like uh, something that she didn't feel like. And she told Carolyn later, she was like, I started watching it, but I turned it off because I thought daddy wouldn't want me watching this. And Jesus doesn't like this. She already had it in her spirit. And this was years ago. She already had it in her spirit that that's not something for her environment. That's not something for her environment. That's not something for her mind. That's not something for her life. And so when we have an unguarded environment, you know what's end up happening is that it, it starts to warp the arrow. Hmm. I mean, I could talk a whole lot about this. I mean, I could talk a whole lot about the fact that You know, the arrow itself has to be intact. If it's going to take the full force of the launch, the arrow itself has to be intact. If it's going to be accurate, you can't have a warped arrow. You can't have an arrow that's rotting away and about to break. You have to guard the environment of the arrow. I used to have a set of golf clubs. I went, uh, beautiful golf clubs. I went and got them all re-gripped. I put beautiful grips on these golf clubs. I mean, really nice, and they were, they were soft, they were so supple, and they felt so good in the hand. Great, I mean, like, they're the best ones I'd ever had. But, without knowing it, you know, since I moved to Florida, it's so hot, it's so humid, and I left those golf clubs in the garage. And I'm gonna tell you something, I, I had a friend come down, they were my secondary set of golf clubs, but I had them re-gripped, and um, I took a friend to go play golf, and when we took those irons out of the bag, those grips that had been brand new from sitting in the humidity and heat in the garage, they were disintegrating on, on the golf clubs. And they hadn't, they'd been played maybe once or twice. And he, he pulled his hands off, and they were all brown and black from that disintegrated leather. And, and he was like, dang, what happened to these? I was like, I just put those grips on. What happened? I left those clubs in an unguarded environment. And then all the thi- the area that they shouldn't have been in, Actually, even though they were new and nice and quality and expensive, that environment actually destroyed that material, which caused them to not function properly. And that's what happens to the arrow. If you leave that arrow in an unguarded environment, the arrow that was supposed to be intact, to be knocked, put the force behind it, aim it, release it, you've got an arrow that's about to be disintegrated destroyed. It's warped. It cannot hit its target because you've left it in an environment that is unguarded and you have got to guard that environment. Number four, you ready for this? Unguarded relationships. Unguarded relationships. Pop that in the comments as number four, unguarded relationships. You know, we, we, we follow the instructions of the apostle Paul, you know, Why would you let your child date an unbeliever? Why would you let your child date an unbeliever? Well, they're kids, you know, I'm hoping that she can witness to him. Doesn't work that way. There's no such thing as missionary dating and you can't French kiss people into the kingdom. It doesn't work that way. Unguarded relationships. Why why do you let your kids? Why would you want to let your kids go and spend all this time with a group of kids that aren't even saved and that don't even care about obeying, obeying the instructions of God? Why? I mean, like, insane. Insane. I'm gonna go send my kid into a group of kids to go hang out and do their own thing. That's their, that's their circle. And those kids don't care anything about obeying uh, the word of God or being led by the spirit. It's like, yeah, and that's always the thing. I'm just trying to be a light to them. You're not. You're not. Because most of these kids don't have enough word of God on the inside of them or, or enough boldness, they've not been built up enough to even be the light. Makes me laugh when people like sending fifth graders and fourth graders into a public school setting. Well, I'm just hoping my kids will be a light on this. And they're not. Unless you've done a bang up job getting that fourth grader to understand biblical apologetics and that fifth grader just like really understands uh, how, to, how to explain their faith to those that are listening and has the boldness and the urgency to do so. Then you're just sending them into the lion's den. It, it, it's, it's mind blowing to me. And listen, if, there, if you're a parent watching and you've got no other choice, you've got no other option except right now sending your kids to public school, you better work extra, extra to get that into their spirit. To sit them down and explain to them what Antichrist means, what it looks like in school, what it sounds like in school, how to give those answers back when you're encountering that in school explaining why that we're not for the LGBTQ plus, uh, uh, agenda. We're not, we're not for the evolution agenda. We're not for, um, all this nonsense that they're teaching in school, critical race theory. I'm not for that, not for all these different things. And here's why from the Bible. And if you don't equip your kids with that, then guess what? Their teachers will give them a different type of equipment and put them in, and then you come back, that's how, that's why people come back that used to go to church and they were Christians, they go to university, that's why they come back completely indoctrinated, because nobody took the time ahead of time to make sure they were ready to go, and then they sit in the class of, of an intelligent professor who talks them right out of the Bible, talks them right out of anything they learned in religion, you know, talks them right out of it, because they're not equipped, and they don't have the answers, and they're di- And and so 1 Peter 3.15 means nothing for them. Always be ready to make a defense. Make a defense. Give an answer. Make a defense for the things you believe, the hope that lies within you. That's a command. That Greek word, apologia, it means to make a defense like like a lawyer would. Let me just make my case here about why I believe what I believe about Jesus being God, about the Bible being inspired and inerrant, You know, you better know those things. You go away and they talk you out of the Bible. Secular university, they talk you out of Jesus, talk you out of the Holy Ghost. You better know that at some Bible schools. Guard your relationships. Guard those children's relationships. Know who their friends are. You know, say, you know what? Your friends can come to our house. Your friends can come to our house. How about that? Because now I've got, and it doesn't mean you're a control freak. It means I'm watching over the way that my kids uh, are, I don't want my kids always going over to some unbeliever's house where nobody in the, uh, in the house serves Jesus. And they're just spending hours and hours and hours and hours. Who knows? Who knows what those kids think is okay? Who knows what those parents think is okay? Come to our house. We know what kind of spirits in this house. You know how I know what kind of spirits in this house? I, I'm, the one that, uh, am su- I'm the one that's submitted to that spirit. I'm the one that cultivates that spirit. You know, we've had workers come into our home, like, you know, contractors to come and do stuff. And let me tell you something. They will comment on it. We've had contractors say to us, you know, that still smell like cigarettes and alcohol. Man, I love working at your house. It's so peaceful in here. Man, you've got such like, I love the energy in your house. They don't know what to call it. I love the energy in your house. It's the anointing. You're feeling the anointing in my house. That's why you feel peace. That's why you feel joy. That's why you want to come back and work at my house. Because I've cultivated the Holy Spirit in this house. And let the kids come to my house. Let, Let them come into this house. Let them feel the power of God here. Right? Guard their relationships. And number five, guard their spiritual walk. Please guard your children's spiritual walk. Don't leave it unguarded. Check up on them. Are you still reading your Bible? Let me ask you a question. There should be, and we can all do better at this, right? We can all do better at this, but every goal has to have some parameters so that we know if we're fulfilling it or not, right? We're not just gonna say, you know what? I'm gonna read the Bible. What does that mean? If you read one verse, you've completed that goal. And I'm sure that's not what you meant when you said, I'm gonna read the Bible today. You read one verse and you've completed that goal. No, I'm not going to read one verse. So, define it. You know, we, atta- we try to attach SMART goals to everything. That acronym, SMART. First of all, it's specific. I wanna be specific, I'm not just gonna read the Bible. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna read nine chapters of the Bible today. Nine chapters, that's specific. And number two, it's measurable. That's measurable. I can go back and say, listen, you know what? I'm halfway through that nine chapters. I've only got four chapters to go, whatever, right? It's attainable. It's something that I can do. I'm not gonna tell my children, I want you to read the whole Bible every single day. They're not gonna do that, they can't. Those goals have to be attainable, measurable, but yes, attainable. I can read nine chapters a day. If I can can watch a one-hour show on Netflix, I can read nine chapters of the Bible a day, right? So they've gotta be specific. They've got to be measurable. They've got to be attainable. What's the R? Yet relevant. They have to be relevant to your own purpose, which of obviously reading the Bible is. You're a Christian, you should be reading the Bible. That goal is a relevant goal. And then they've gotta be time sensitive. So what does the T mean? Time sensitive, I gotta know by when am I going to read the nine chapters of the Bible? Well, today, before today comes to an end. But an even better way to do it than that is to set an actual schedule and say, you know what? I'm gonna do my Bible reading as soon as I get home from school at such and such a time. Or right when I wake up, before I get ready for school, I'm gonna read my Bible at such and such a time. That's the best way to do it. You set it on a schedule. And you attach those smart goals to everything you do. It makes sure that you're, uh, it, it, you have much greater chance of, of completing those goals than if you just make them vague. And so you got to stay on top of your children's spiritual walk. Ask them, you know, have you made a plan yet with your children about Bible reading? Have you made a plan? How, what are you reading today? What is your goal for this month? What are you going to be reading? And then you check up. Have you read it today? Make a checklist. Put it on the fridge. Have you read that today? It's all right to have a rewards-based system. You know, if you read the whole Bible this year, dad and mom's going to do this for you. You know, uh, my, my cousin Jonathan, his dad and mom told him as, soon as he could read. If you'll read the Bible through every year, then when you're old enough to drive, we'll get you a car. That's all right. David said that when he went to fight Goliath. He didn't just do it for the sake of God. He said, what's to be done for the man that kills this giant? I want to know what I'm getting out of it. What am I getting out of this? It's all right to use a rewards-based system. You know why? God uses a rewards-based system in the kingdom. The Bible says that he's a rewarder, but not of everybody, of those who seek him. King James says, diligently seek him. He's not a rewarder of everybody. But notice this. He's saying, if you'll seek me with your heart and your life, I'll reward you. God uses a rewards-based system. So why shouldn't we as parents use a rewards-based system? if you read the Bible and you complete the New Testament this year or or this, this quarter or whatever it might be, I'm going to do this for you. Incentivize that thing, man. I know a pastor that incentivized his children that he paid them. He had a list of books that he wanted them to read, not just the Bible, Christian books and then business books. He was training them up. And he said, I will give you money for all these books that you complete. And they did it. And they're very intelligent children. I can tell you right now, I know them. Very intelligent. Incentivize it. Ask them about their prayer life. When did you, Have you been praying? What are you praying about? What's our list of the things we're praying about this week? What Bible verses are we standing on for those things, kids? That kind of a thing. Are you praying, if your kids are filled with the Holy Spirit, have you been praying in the Holy Ghost? Pray in the Holy Ghost. You know, then my kids, you know, I don't check up on whether or not they're going to church. If you live in my house, we're going to church. (laughs) We're going to church whether you like it or not. And they like it. Well, they like it. Check up. But guard their spiritual walk. Guard their spiritual walk. Make sure they're on top of it. Make sure that they're doing what the Bible teaches. You know, every time we get people saved, I always push three things to them. Read, pray, go. Read, pray, go. And I would probably start to... uh, I probably should do more of that, but like uh, I'd probably add read, pray, go, tell. Read, pray, go, tell. Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Go to church every time the doors are open and tell people about your salvation. Tell them your story. Tell them your testimony and tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Read, pray, go, tell. Read, pray, go, tell. Four things that will make your Christian life successful. Read, pray, go, tell. And I'm telling you, We've got to stay on top of that for our own children. Do you realize this? (laughs) I want you to write this in the comments because it's a great way to think about it before we pray. My children are in an 18-year discipleship program. Put that in the comments. My children are in an 18-year discipleship program. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. because you're the one that's called to disciple your children. And really, if you do it right for the 18 years, then you'll really be able to disciple them for their entire lives. They'll still come to you for advice. They'll still come to you for prayer. They'll still come to you uh, for input. My children are in an 18-year discipleship program and I'm discipling my kids. How foolish of it it would it be for me as an evangelist to see people saved and to disciple others, but never disciple my own children. My my kids are in an 18 year discipleship program. No question. And I'm going to tell you something. We're believing that your kids are going to be what? Strong, smart, set apart. That's the whole goal of Miracle Word Kids. Strong, smart, set apart. Strong, smart, set apart. That's why we did this. That's why Carolyn wrote this. That's why she launched Miracle Word Kids. We want to see your children strong, smart, and set apart. Not overtaken by the spirit of this world, not destroyed by the Antichrist agenda. Strong, smart, set apart unto God. And they will be. Your children are anointed, your children are powerful, your children are full of potential. Your children can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Your children are going to be successful wherever they go. Let me read to you before we pray. Psalm 112. You ready for this? Psalm 112 regarding your family, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 10. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord who greatly delights in his commandments, his offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, the wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away, and the desire of the wicked shall perish. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I'm telling you, I'm going to pray with you today that just like Crystal said, that the Holy Spirit will give you new ideas for your children, that the Holy Spirit will empower you to parent those children, that he'll strengthen you, that he'll give you wisdom that you didn't even gain on your own. It's from the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name, because we're going to raise up strong, smart, set-apart children. Father, we come to you today in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you for every parent, every grandparent, and every future parent that's watching this and listening to this. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that today you would empower them afresh and anew with boldness, with wisdom, to train these children and to raise them up. Lord, I ask you, even for every single mother that's watching, that you would empower them and strengthen them to raise those children in the fear of the Lord. Strengthen them to raise them up in the way they should go. and When they're old, they will not depart from it in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord, that our offspring will be mighty in the land, mighty. We thank you that everything they touch will prosper. Everywhere they go, they'll have dominion. We give you praise for that very thing. Use us, Lord. Give us ideas to train up our children that we didn't even previously have. Give us ideas that we did not previously have. Inspire us by the Holy Spirit. Teach us all things in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for it. We give you honor. We give you glory. We give you praise in the wonderful name of Jesus. And if you believe it, shout amen, throw some hands up, throw some fire up. Your kids are going to be blessed in Jesus' mighty name. Your kids are going to be blessed. Once again, if you didn't know that we have this available, it just launched. We're in the pre-order phase and uh, people are buying them up. If you'd like to get your copy of the Strong, Smart, Set-Apart, One-Year Bible Study from Miracle Word Kids, go to shop.miracleword.com. We're even offering discounts if you get multiple copies. So they're $39.99 for a one year. It's about 220 pages of material. But if you get two, you get $10 off and it's only, uh, uh, what would it be, $70. If you get three, you get three for $99. And then there's bulk pricing even beyond that. Uh, if you're getting more for like your church, for like a Sunday school class, uh, whatever it might be, go to shop.miracleword.com, grab your copy of the Strong, Smart, Set Apart Bible Study. Carolyn did an amazing job with this book. It looks great. Tiffany laid it out. It looks beautiful. It's, it's the best thing we've ever put out. And you need one in your house. You need them for your kids. And um, Hannah said, we should do one on marriage. You mean a broadcast or a book like that? But I'm, I'm telling, we've done broadcasts on marriage, me and Carolyn together. In fact, we have a, uh, an entire series that we did called Love That Lasts that you can find on our uh, website as well, shop.miracleword.com. It comes in um, multiple, multiple uh, CDs that you can grab, Love That Lasts. It's available same place, shop.miracleword.com. We're getting ready to put the link for you in the description or excuse me, in the, um, in the comments. But I'm telling you, it'll bless your kids. God bless you, Hannah. I want to encourage those of you that are watching to sow a seed today uh, into this ministry or partner with us. We would really, really ask you to consider partnering with this ministry. We're doing more than we've ever done, and we're touching the world. God's opened doors that I couldn't have even imagined two years ago. We're now on television in over 180 nations of the world every week. We're holding uh, meetings all over the nation not to mention the media, all the things that we're doing in that way. We're feeding hungry all, uh, the hungry all over the world. I mean, there's so much that's happening, but you can check it all out uh, if you go to miracleword.com and click on the partner page. If you click on that, you'll see all that we're doing. Fill out the form, stand with us. I mean, what, seriously, what are you gonna put your money toward in 2022 and beyond that's gonna have the kind of a return that this will have in a kingdom uh, impact? When you stand with this ministry, you are standing with us to make a kingdom impact. And there's nothing better that you can put your finances toward than the saving of lost souls and to see people changed by the power of God before it's too late. And so whatever it might be that you're able to do, $85 a month, $100 a month, $250 a month. We have people sowing $1,000 a month to stand with us because they believe time is short. I would encourage you uh, to do the same. For everybody that is partnering with us in the month of June uh, at $85 a month or more, we're gonna be sending you Dr. Leroy Thompson's powerful book, Money Cometh to the Body of Christ. It will stir your faith for prosperity. And once again, biblical prosperity is scriptural and it is doctrinal. God cares about your finances and he wants to see you blessed. For those that are sowing $250 or more, we're also including T.L. Osborne's book, The Message That Works the message he's preached around the world that saw millions saved and healed, this book will stir your faith up. And then, of course, for those that are sowing $1,000 or more, we're including with that the Net Study Bible with 60,000 translator's notes. For those of you that are a part of uh, Bible Study Made Simple, let me tell you, I am so excited about this deep dive into the book of Galatians that we've started this month. And... um, We've got a ton more content coming at you. If you would like to sign up to be a part of Bible Study Made Simple in the fall when we reopen the course, you can join about 350 or so other students. Let me tell you go to Bible.MiracleWord.com. The link is in the comments right now. Bible.MiracleWord.com. Sign up and join the wait list because it's only gonna be open for about 10 days, and then we're closing the course again so we can go through these things, you don't wanna miss it. It's only $15 a month, and you get like four videos, about two hours or more of teaching every single month, one a week, and it's awesome, man. We've had so many people saying, I've learned so much just from the time I've been in this course, and I've been in church all my life, and so it'll help you immensely. When you go to bible.miracleword.com, You'll be able to scroll down and read all of the things that you can expect to take away from this course. It is going to be a great resource for you. And we turn you on to all kinds of free resources to study the Bible, show you how to use them, show you how I would go through these uh, studies personally as I'm studying to preach and and studying for knowledge. It'll be a massive help to you. So bible.miracleword.com. And I want to say thanks to everybody that's sowing, that's partnering, that's standing with us. Listen, We're getting ready to do, uh, once again, the Victory Tribe Homecoming Weekend. It's coming up in October, and we wanna see all of our partners there. We've got massive announcements to share with you at this very special uh, Homecoming Weekend. We're gonna have a revival night on Friday night, and we're going to have a killer brunch slash luncheon on the Saturday. And we wanna spend time with you. We wanna hang with you. We wanna see you. Last year was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. But um, for those of you that are partners, you will receive uh, an email that will show you how you can RSVP to be a part of this upcoming uh, Victory Tribe Homecoming weekend. And we cannot wait to see you there. Some of you, uh, Jenna has already called you and contacted you, but I'm so pumped to be back with you guys again this year in October for this uh, two-day Homecoming weekend. Um, do we have the dates right off the top of your head, Tiffany? People are asking what the dates are, do, but do we, do we have them on the calendar already? I believe we do. It is October the 28th and 29th, Janine, October the 28th, Friday, October 29th, Saturday. So we got church on Friday night. It's going to be powerful. And we've got the banquet on Saturday with some massive announcements for our partners, it's going to be great. I cannot wait to see you there. Uh, And listen, you've got time. If you've not partnered with our ministry yet, and you'd like to partner with us, um, everybody that's currently partnered is welcome to come and be a part of the banquet. So if you're considering partnering, think about the fact that we want to see you. We want to spend time with you. And uh, it's going to be so much fun. Last year, the only thing I would have changed about last year is that I wish it could have lasted longer. I mean, I mean that. It felt like we didn't have enough time with you guys. And Nancy, we'll let you guys know in, uh, in the, just within the next few weeks or so about kids because we had people bring kids last year that were a certain age. We're looking at trying to do a kid's area, kid's booth, something like that. I know they're discussing it. We'll let you know what happens uh, as we're as we're talking about it. But the only thing I would've changed is I wish it could've been longer. It's October the 28th and the 29th, Caitlin. October 28th is a Friday, October 29th is a Saturday. And so we're very much looking forward to it and hopefully we get to spend even more time with you guys this year. I love you a lot, thanks for hanging with me today. I'll be back again with you in the morning. Have a great day and I'll talk to you soon.